John chapter number 14. I was talking to someone uh, just a number of a few weeks ago, and they um, were asking me, they were getting ready to start reading their Bible. They said, where should I begin? And I recommended the book of John to them. I said, John is a, and, and it is, John is a, a great book that gives a uh, complete overview pretty much of what the rest of the Bible is all about. It begins uh, with John chapter number 1. And verse number 1, where it says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. It starts at the very beginning of things. And I'm thankful that God did not have a beginning. He's eternal. Um, he, uh, the Bible says that in the beginning, when things began here, God already was. It says, was the Word. He was already in existence. It didn't say He began. And it starts there, and it goes through the crucifixion death, burial, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. And um, what we're to be doing uh, after the Lord uh, ascended back into heaven, what we're to be doing while we're waiting for His return. And I love um, the teachings of John. And I had an opportunity yesterday to share with a family, uh, about 30 or so folks at a funeral, about heaven. And I got to thinking on that, and I was actually going to preach on something else today, and I have a, had a number of folks in the last few weeks that have asked, uh, how do you know what God's will is, and how do you know what He wants you to do with your life? And so I was going to teach on that a little bit this morning from God's Word, but I think we're going to make that either for this afternoon service or perhaps next Sunday morning. So if you, if you ever want to know how to find God's will, you'll have to either be at the afternoon service or next Sunday morning. Otherwise, you're not going to know. But... Uh, but uh, this morning, I just got thinking about heaven, and I want to spend a little bit of time thinking about it and looking at what the Bible has to say about a few things regarding it and how to get there. And uh, I'm glad that I'm saved and on my way to heaven. I don't have to lay at night in my bed, as I did so many times when I was a young person, and wonder. I remember for years, uh, I grew up in a pastor's home, but I remember for years... Uh, probably a good year, year and a half, waking up in the middle of the night and having nightmares that uh, God had come back and had taken my mom and my dad and my sister, and I was left here. And uh used to scare me. I'd wake up afraid of that. And I'm thankful when I got saved uh, in November of 1983. I'm thankful God took that fear away. I didn't have to fear it anymore. And the reason was I knew that if he came back now, I'd go to heaven. And uh, I'm thankful for that. And I'm glad the Bible tells us that we can know this. You know, the world has a, a wrong view of God. They've, for some reason, concocted some view of God that uh, makes them believe that he has come to reign on their parade and to uh, hinder any joy or fun that they could have with their life. They think that He's come to condemn them and to uh, send them to hell because of their sin. The Bible tells us that we did that. That in John chapter number 3, it says, He that believeth not is condemned already, because he hath not believed on the name of the only begotten Son of God. We are condemned because we've not trusted the Lord as our Savior. We are condemned in our own sin. We did that willingly. God didn't do that to us. God came to save us from that. I'm thankful. That's the good news of the gospel. And for some reason, 
I, I think sometimes I talk to a lot of people in, in, uh, around in, um, about the Lord, and it's amazing how many people feel that God is some mean-spirited being up there that uh, is ready to send down lightning bolts for their sin. Can I tell you this? The lightning bolts for our sin came from our doing, not His. And uh, He came to give us deliverance from that. He came to give us forgiveness of those sins and to give us a home in heaven for all of eternity. He came to reconcile a sinful man with a holy God and allowed them to be able to spend an entire eternity together. That's amazing. Can I tell you, that's a miracle. 2,000 years ago, God sent His Son to this earth. He lived a sinless life, the only man who ever did. He was all God, but He was also all man. He lived a sinless life, and 33 years of age, the Romans took Him and some of the Jews. They falsely accused Him, and they judged Him and sentenced Him to die one of the most cruel and painful deaths. And while there was certain physical pain, the, the, the horrible torments of the crucifixion, some of the greatest pain was when the Bible says that He became sin for us. That you and I can escape the condemnation that comes from our sin. And He allows us to be saved. I don't want to embarrass Him at all, but here in just a little while, Brendan's going to get baptized. I talked to him and Bailey here a few weeks ago. I want to make sure he understood baptism doesn't save us. And baptism is something we do to show folks that I have trusted Christ as my Savior. That old man that used to be the old sin nature, it's, it's no more. Now I'm going to rise and walk in newness of life. I'm going to be a different person. I'm going to live differently, not because of something I'm doing, but because of something that Christ did. The Bible tells us as we get to John chapter number 14 and we get to verse number 1, Jesus is speaking here and He says, Let not your heart be troubled. Ye believe in God, believe also in Me. In My Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto Myself, that where I am, there you may be also." And whither I go, you know, and the way you know. Thomas saith unto him, Lord, we know not whither thou goest, and how can we know the way? And Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Father, we pray that you'll bless the message this morning. May it speak to our hearts and be an encouragement to us. And Father, may we have full understanding of the truth of your word. May there not be one person that's sitting here today that will leave here not knowing the truth of Your Word. And then, Father, once we see that truth and we understand it and we know it, Lord, I pray that You would help us to respond to it. Not to just be hearers of it, but that we would be doers of it. So, Father, I pray that Your Holy Spirit will do what He would long to do in this place. May You remove us, hide us behind the cross. May we take ourselves out of the equation. And, Lord, may we just simply exalt You and lift You up. May there be a time where people are drawn to You, our hearts, whether we are saved or lost, are drawn closer to You throughout the preaching and teaching of Your Word today and the, uh, the moving of Your Holy Spirit in our lives. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I got to thinking about heaven, and I uh, 
One of the things I mentioned yesterday at the funeral is there were a number of folks there that I believe maybe were probably not saved. And I wanted to share with them, uh, Miss Rita Gertz was the lady who had passed away. And I told him, I said, there's, there's one thing as I went to the funeral, I, I thought, wonder what would Miss Rita want me to say at her funeral? If she could stand there yesterday in front of those family members and friends, what would she want said at her funeral? And I'm going to share with you things that I, I shared with them yesterday about what I think Miss Rita would have wanted said at her funeral, knowing what she knows now. She's been in eternity for at least a month. She's left this life. And there were things that immediately she knew. Number one, she knew that heaven was real. You know, sometimes I think we think of heaven as some um, ethereal place out there in spirit land. And while I understand that our human eyes don't see heaven, the Bible describes it as a real place. It describes it, the Bible says here in my father's house, there's obviously a house there and there are mansions there. The Bible speaks of in verse number 2. In other places of Scripture, it speaks of it having walls. It speaks of it having gates. It speaks about the fact that there is, there is streets in heaven. It speaks about the fact that there's a river in heaven. There are trees in heaven. There are animals in heaven. So I will tell you this, heaven is a real place. It's not something symbolic. It's something that is real. By the way, also in spite of that, heaven is real. Hell is also real. In Luke, the Bible teaches us that there was a rich man who died. And the Bible says, and in hell he lifted up his eyes, being in torments. And there is no in-between. There is heaven and there is hell. And what we have to choose is, where am I going to spend eternity? And by the way, I, don't, you, don't you ever think that God is uh, going to send anybody anywhere. He gives man a free will. We choose it. I heard somebody say years ago, I was talking to them about this, and they said, I don't believe a, a loving God would send anyone to hell. And I said, you know what, you're right. You're right. A loving God would love you so much that even though you were on your way to hell, He would find some way to let you escape that. He would find some way to pay the price for you and let you spend eternity with Him instead. That's what a loving God would do. And by the way, that's exactly what He did. Heaven is real. And I think if there's anything that those that have gone on before, and some of us have loved ones that are on the other side of eternity already, and one thing that I know for certain, the moment that they passed from this life to the next, they knew without any shadow of a doubt heaven was real. They knew that hell was real. The Bible tells us that. And by the way, uh, we don't have to sit here and say, well, we, we believe that heaven is real because our loved ones are there, or hell is real because we know that it's there. And the Bible, we, we know it's real because the Bible tells us that. We know it because this is what God's Word tells us. I'm thankful He told us about these things. Because the truth is, if we didn't have His Word, if we didn't have these truths to read, you and I would be lost in our sin with no hope of heaven. So I'm thankful God loved us enough to not only send us His Son, but He sent us His Word. There's another thing that I think God wants us to know. That there is only one way to get there. Look with me, if you will, in John chapter number 14. He says, first of all, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in Me. 
In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there ye may be also. And whither I go, you know, and the way you know. Thomas saith unto him, Lord, we know not whither thou goest, and how can we know the way? Notice what verse 6 says. Jesus saith unto him, I am a... Do you see the letter A there? No, 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 no. I am what? The way. Can I tell you this? I want to give you a quick English lesson here. Miss Diane, don't judge me on this, okay? Uh, the is a definite article. It's very, very specific. A is an indefinite article. It means that there could be a number of them out there. But there was one. There's one way. And Jesus said, I'm it. I am the way. The truth and the, notice this, what? Life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. There's a lot of people out here, and I've done funerals for people who were involved in um, organizations, um, the Masonic Lodges and different places like that. They're very religious-minded organizations oftentimes, but they teach that there are many paths to God. That everybody just believes what they believe and eventually they'll make it there. There are denominations and there are other religious sects and organizations out there. And they say, you know what, Uh, we all believe differently, but we're all going to the same place. Can I tell you this? My Bible tells me in the book of Matthew that narrow is the way and straight is the gate and few there be that find it. This way of salvation. Not many. I was listening to a radio broadcast a number of years ago. They uh, broadcast all over the world. They have stations and satellites all over the world in their, this religious network. And I heard them say, we believe now that 96% of the world is saved and on their way to heaven. And I said, I don't know what world they're living in. Because my Bible doesn't say that many will find this way. It says that few will find it. The Bible doesn't say that there are many paths to God. It says there's one. You say, Brother Greg, that's, that's kind of offensive to me. That's, we, we believe in inclusion and everything being, in, you know, let's all just get along. I'm not telling you what my opinion was. I'm telling you what the Bible says, and it's a very narrow thing. Jesus said, I am the way. There's only one. The truth. There's only one. And the life. There's only one. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Notice your Bible does not say, no man cometh unto the Father but by church membership. Nowhere in Scripture do you find it saying, no man cometh unto the Father but by baptism. No man cometh unto the Father but by their good works. doesn't happen in Scripture. It says one thing. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Speaking of the Lord Jesus Christ. Heaven's a real place. By the way, hell's a real place. We're going to spend eternity in one of those two places. By the way, you ever thought about this? I had a fellow try to years ago. I had a fellow come to our church and he was teaching our young people, our teenagers, and he was trying to trying to express how this life compares to eternity. And he brought in a large ball that he had. I don't remember if it was a beach ball or something like that. He brought in a large ball and he brought in an ink pen. 
And he put a dot, just a dot with that ink pen on that big ball, and he said, this is life that we experience on this earth. But this ball is eternity. I remember thinking, boy, that's, that's pretty vivid. That opens my eyes. But can I tell you this? He was wrong. Because by doing that illustration, he limited eternity. Can I tell you, this life, the Bible says it this way, is a vapor that appeareth for a little while and then vanisheth away. This week, I was reflecting. You know how we do when we get a little bit older. We reflect on our life a little bit. My son's getting old. and He's my baby. I sent him a picture this morning that I had in my phone of him when he was about this tall. Now he's this tall and he's about as big as I am. He can start. He's getting close to being able to whoop me, but not quite yet. And don't let him tell you. I want him thinking he's not even close, so don't tell him I said that. I texted him this morning. I said, where'd my little boy go? I got to reflecting on my life, and I thought, you know, if God doesn't come back in my lifetime, I've got fewer years in front of me than I have behind me. I don't have much time left. I wonder what I've done with the time I've had. I look at life and I think, how short it is. And there are others of you there here today saying, Pastor, you're just a young one. (laughs) A lot of gray heads in the room that can attest to the fact it went by so quick. Went by so quick. Where'd it go? Life is a vapor. Can I tell you this? Eternity is forever. We're going to spend not just a few moments. We're going to spend eternity in one of two places. There's only two. Either in heaven or in hell. And to help you with something, it's not God's choice. It's yours. For whatever reason, God created us and He said, I'm going to leave that choice up to you not going to make it for you. God's not going to force anybody to stay with Him for eternity that doesn't want to be there. But there is only one of two places we can go. Heaven is real and hell is real. We've got to choose which way we're going to go. We're at a crossroads. The decision is ours, not His. And He says there's one way. I don't know why we try to complicate this. I really don't. Man has devised all sorts of ways to get to heaven. But the Bible tells us one. And it makes it very, very clear. Hold your place here in John. We're going to be back here in just a moment. Turn with me, if you will, to the book of Ephesians. We've used this passage quite a bit lately. Ephesians chapter number 2. Verse number 1, And you hath he quickened who were dead in your trespasses and sins, wherein in time past you walked according to the course of this world. Before we were saved, before we trusted Christ as our Savior, before we made that decision to go to heaven instead of going to hell, we used to walk the way the children of disobedience did. That's what the Bible says here. Verse number 2, in time, Wherein in time past you walked, past tense, according to the course of this world. According to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience, 
among whom also we all had our conversation in times past. He said, Pastor, I don't like you telling me that. I was in the same boat. I'm not saying anything about you that I wouldn't say about me. We were all sinners. The Bible tells us in the book of Romans, chapter number 3, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. This pastor is no different than you. The Bible says, among whom we all, also we all had our conversation in times past, in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. But God, (laughs) He stepped into the picture and He says, I don't want that to happen. But God, the Bible says this, who is rich in mercy. Isn't that just like Him? I'll be real frank with you. I, I have... I have asked the Lord to help me work on my patience throughout my life, but I'll be honest with you, my patience has a limit. Anybody else in that boat? You better all get your hands up, because I know that's true. We all have our limit on patience. I'm glad I'm not God. Because I'll be real frank with you, if I was God and I had somebody like me, I'd have given up on Him a long time ago. But not my God. My God is rich in mercy. But God, who is rich in mercy, notice this, where, uh, for His great love wherein He loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ. By grace you are saved. Last month and a half or so, I've had probably no less than a half a dozen people that I have shared the gospel with and they have made a comment something along this line. I just don't know that I deserve it. (laughs) And I thought, praise the Lord. I'm glad they see that. The problem is, because they didn't think they deserved it, they still weren't trusting Him as their Savior. But can I tell you this? If man could deserve salvation, there would be no grace. Because grace is getting something that we do not deserve. He tells us in Ephesians chapter 2 that we are, by grace you are saved, verse number 5, and hath raised us up together and made us to sit in heavenly places in Christ Jesus that in the ages to come He might show him uh, show to the exceeding riches of His grace in His kindness toward us. You know what God's desire is? It is not to send people to hell. That's not God's desire. God is heartbroken when men go to hell. You know what God's desire is? He wants to give you the riches of His grace through Christ Jesus. He's done it all. The work is finished. And He offers it to us freely. In verse number 8, For by grace are ye saved. Not because we deserve it. Not because we've earned it. For by grace... Oh, I'm so thankful for grace. For by grace are ye saved through faith. And that not of yourselves is the gift of God. Not of works, lest any man should boast. Can I tell you this? 
If we could work our way to heaven, if we could earn our way to heaven, I told the folks yesterday, God does not sit in heaven with a giant scale. God does not take what we have that's good and what we have that's bad and weigh it against each other. And as long as our good outweighs our bad, we make it in. That's not the way God works. You say, Brother Greg, how do you know that? Because the Bible tells us that our good, that would be on this good side of the scale, that God is so holy that even our good is put on the bad side. It's filthy rags. The Bible refers to it as filthy rags. And so everything, our good and our bad, is all on one side of the scale, if that's the case. And there's nothing to balance it. But God sent His Son. He said that scale for Greg is out of balance. Way out of balance. There's no way he's ever going to overcome it. By the way, he said the same thing about you. He said because of that, Greg's got a penalty. So of his own making... It's his own choosing, his own will has sinned. I'm going to pay the price for it. I'm going to pay it for him. We go back to John chapter number 14. Heaven is real, hell is real. Jesus said there's only one way to get to heaven. I don't care what church has told you differently. I don't care what radio broadcast or television broadcast has told you differently. I'm telling you what the Bible says. And this is from God. So we're not hearing what a man has said about salvation. We're hearing what God says about it. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. And then I want you to notice as we get to verse number 3 in John chapter number 14. In verse, two he said, or verse number 2 he says, I go and prepare a place for you. But in verse number 3 he says this, And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again. You say, we've talked a little bit about the brevity of life today. We've talked a little bit about how short it is, how it's just a vapor. It just comes and goes. I'll tell you, I'm not looking forward to the process of death. I, I, don't, I don't fear death. I don't like the idea of what it takes to get there. I don't like the vehicle of it. But can I tell you this? Uh, about a year and a half ago, I had COVID. A little over a year ago, I had COVID. There was one point that I really thought I was going to die from it. I really did. I've never felt that way in my life. I always wondered how I would feel when the time came for me to die. I always thought, well, is there going to be fear? Is there going to be anxiety? What's it going to feel like? And that morning as I got up and I realized that I had exceeded my physical limitations and should have been at the hospital long before then, I thought, I may not come out of this. And you know, there was just a peace and a relief. Because I thought, the worst that's going to happen is I'm going to heaven. How wonderful that is. And I hope and pray that I don't have to go by death. You know what the Bible teaches us, though? That there's going to come a day. And if we're still alive on this earth when it happens, you and I are going to be there for it. There's going to come a day when Jesus is going to come back the same way that He went in the clouds. He's going to come back, and the Bible says He's going to come 
with the voice of the archangel and with the trump of God. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, it says, And the dead in Christ shall rise first, then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. I'm thankful we don't ever have to say goodbye again once we get to that side of eternity. You say, Pastor, when is that going to be? Don't know. God told us, He said, it's not for men to know the day or the hour. I'll tell you this, it could happen at any time. Heaven is real, hell is real. We've got to choose between one or the other. Jesus is the only way to get to heaven. And time is short. Either the rapture, when the Lord comes back and takes us home, or death, time is short. You say, well, I'll wait until I've lived my life and I'm on my deathbed, then I'll make that decision for God. Most people don't have that luxury. There are times that death comes suddenly. No time for a decision. That's why Jesus said, now is the accepted time. Today is the day of salvation. Don't put it off. Don't say, I will later. There was a parable that Jesus taught to His disciples, or a story that He told, of a man who was living his life, and he was wealthy, and his crops did really, really well to the point where his barns were overflowing. He said, well, I'm going to tear down these barns. I'm going to build new ones. And boy, my life is all planned out. I've got all this stuff going on. And he had great plans for the future. And Jesus, in the story that he told, said, thou fool. He said, this night, that man's soul was going to be required of him. Did that man have any idea that that night would be the end of his life and he would be in eternity? No. He had no idea. We woke up this morning. I'm thankful I woke up, aren't you? We got up and we fully planned our day. I, I got up and went uh, into town and spent some time praying and getting my heart ready and having a bite of breakfast and, praise the Lord, some Dunkin' Donut coffee. I had no... No idea in my mind that today could be my last day. I got dressed. I came over here to church. I had messages that I had prepared and prayed over. I thought, Lord, I want it to be the right message. Because I may not get another opportunity. I want it to be the right one. Because the truth is, none of us have a guarantee of another breath. I was telling someone a couple of years ago, I was sharing these things with them. And I said, you know, if I, if I knew these things to be true, and they are, the Bible tells us they are, if I knew these things to be true, and I had not trusted Christ as my Savior, I would not walk or crawl or spend time waiting and dilly-dallying around. I would run to Jesus Christ. Because the reward is too great 
And the cost, if I don't, is too severe. I hope and I pray this is a Sunday morning crowd. And I hope and I pray that every person sitting here today has put their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what Ephesians 2 tells us. For by grace are you saved through faith. If we have not done that today, I would urge you, don't wait another moment. Do it today. Do it today. Because we don't have the guarantee of another breath. I'd like to say I can earn my way to heaven. That'd make me look real good, wouldn't it? That I live such a good life that I could make my way into heaven myself? No. That's why God said it's not by our works. Lest any man should boast, we would get proud of it. I'm thankful that He does it by faith and faith alone. I, uh, I've used this illustration a lot of times. and If you come to our church every service, forgive me, but I'm going to share it again because I think it's a great illustration. I'm a, I'm a pretty big fellow, um, 300 and none of your business pounds. A couple of years ago, I went over to a friend of mine's house for a barbecue, and he had uh, those plastic lawn chairs outside. Whoever invented those ought to be shot. They are not made for men like me. I sat down, and I was talking to him for a little bit, and I heard the heard the chair crack. And you know what happened next. I'm laying on the ground, and I'm at these people's house, and I'm embarrassed, and I, I didn't like it, you know, and I I looked at Adnan and I said, Man, you need to get you some better chairs, you know. So I'm careful when I when I sit down. Jonathan and I went to uh, actually we were going to the Blue Owl restaurant. That's where we were going here about a month or so ago, a couple months ago I guess now it's been. And they said, You want to sit inside or out? Well it was a nice day and I said, Why don't we sit out there on the porch? It's nice and we get out there and they have those plastic lawn chairs. I said, No, nope, can't do this. Not gonna do that again in public. Just not gonna do it. I asked the lady, I said, I either need to get a stronger chair or I need to go inside. And she said, I'll bring you a chair out. And that was almost as embarrassing as falling anyway. But, uh, but you know, we'd laugh and we'd chuckle at that. And please don't miss the point because of the humor of the situation. I look at chairs now when I sit in them. I'm careful. I want to make sure that I can trust that chair. I look at chairs. I look at these chairs. These are welded chairs. They're steel and wood and whatever else they put in them. And I've sat in them before. They're true. They're proven. I've seen you all sit in them. I have, I have a belief. I look at them. I say, I believe that chair can hold me. I look at that chair and I recognize the capability it has. And I put, I, I certainly believe that it's able to. And you know, a lot of people look at God and they say, yes, God is able to save men. He has that ability. And I believe God is there. I believe He can do these things. But a lot of people stop short and that's where they stop. You know, the Bible says that the devils believe. Doesn't mean they're saved. They actually probably know the capabilities of God better than you and I do. Their belief is probably stronger than mine or yours. 
But there is a difference between believing that God can and trusting that He will. The difference is I can stand there all day and look at a chair and say, I believe it's going to hold me. But until I get to the place where I begin to sit, and you know that point that happens to all of us. When we were kids, we used to, we used to uh, take advantage of that point when our friend was sitting down. You'd watch until he was at the place where he couldn't catch himself anymore. He was going to go back in the chair. And we'd yank the chair out. You remember that? That was the point where we now went from believing the chair could to trusting that it would keep us from falling. And can I tell you this? There are a lot of people who will die and choose to go to hell who believe that God can save them, but they have not trusted Him to save them. They still try to earn their way. They try to do it by their good works. They try to do it by their church attendance or membership or baptism. There needs to come a point in every person's life where we realize we're sinners. We cannot pay the price to a holy God for that sin. It's not within our capabilities. God knew that and He loved us in spite of it. Can you imagine that? That God loved us that much? He said, you know what? I know Greg can't do it. But my son's right here and he can. Tell you what I'm going to do, Greg. I'm going to send him down there. I'm going to let him pay your price. And I'm not even going to charge you for it. I'm not going to make you earn it. I spoil my kids a lot, but there are things sometimes that Jonathan wants, and I say, well, if you want that, here's what you got to do. I'm thankful God doesn't do that to us. He looks at us. He says, I love you so much, I just want to give it to you. If you'll simply trust what my son has done for you, instead of trusting in yourself, I'll forgive your sin. I'll, I'll have it go so far away. We talked about it Wednesday night in the book of Hebrews chapter number 10. I'll put it so far away I won't even remember it anymore. And not only am I going to forgive you of the penalty for your sin, but I'm going to allow you to come and live with me. When you die in this life, you get to come and spend an eternity with me. The one who loved you that much. I'll be honest with you. <laughs> there are some people that we all know who they are in our lives. There are people that we know and we're related to maybe, and we have to love them because they're family, but we don't like them a whole lot. They annoy us. They get under our skin. And then there are those people that we just love with all of our hearts. They're precious to us. Can I tell you this? God's not one of those fellas, one of those gods up in heaven that is annoying. He's one of those ones that are precious to us. And He says, I'm going to allow you, if you'll just trust what I've given to you, if you'll just let, let the price for sin that I've paid for you, if you'll let my Son do that on your behalf, you'll put your faith in that. 
I'll let you spend eternity with me. The one who loved you that much. I don't know about you, but I'm pretty excited about that. If He loved me enough to die for me, can you imagine what eternity is going to be like? He's going to love me that way, not just for the time that I was here on this earth. He's going to love me that way for eternity. I don't know about you, but I'm looking forward to it. I hope and I pray every person in this room has had a moment in their life where they have put their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, I'm not talking about believing that God can do it. I've heard people say, well, I believe that the man upstairs is looking out for me. That's a belief that he can. I'm talking about a God in heaven who we say, I'm trusting that He will. He's all I'm trusting to get to heaven. If He fails me, then I'm lost because that's all I'm trusting. That's all I'm putting my faith in. Can I tell you this? That's the point every single one of us needs to get to. If I could make the choice for you, I'd do it. Oh, I'd do it in a heartbeat. It's well worth it. But God made it so that every single one of us has to choose for ourselves. I've got a choice. I can either go to heaven or I can go to hell. It's not His choice. It's not what He wants. It's mine. And by the way, it's yours. And I hope you've made the right choice today. In just a moment, we're going to have a piano and organ play. We're going to have an invitation. All we do is to provide a time for you to respond to the preaching of God's Word. And if God has convicted your heart, maybe you've thought, you know, I have not trusted Christ as my Savior, but I'd sure love to do that today. I would ask that either during the time of invitation, while the piano and organ are playing, or shortly after the service, after we've dismissed, I'd ask if you would to come and see me. I'll be glad to take time during the invitation. Or one of our folks here, if you're afraid to come by yourself, one of our church members, go up to him and say, Would you allow me to get saved? I want to try to, I want to get this matter settled. I want to go forward and get this settled. Or you can do it there in your chair, in your seat. But I would encourage you in this don't put it off another day. We're not guaranteed another day. If you're here today and you've never trusted Christ as your Savior, I would encourage you to get that matter settled today before you leave here. If you're a Christian here today, we ought to rejoice in it. Thankful for what God has done for us. I once was lost, but now I'm found. I once was blind, but now I see. (laughs) I once was under bondage, and now I am free. And oh, I'll tell you the joy of being saved. The great peace that it brings. I'm not talking about your life being perfect. But oh, the peace that it brings. What a difference it makes. Let's stand together if we are able to. And we'll take just a few moments. If you'll bow your head and close your eyes. I don't.